Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we start a brand new 10-week journey called The Red Sea Rules, based on the book by Robert J. Morgan, where we will be looking at 10 different rules that we can apply in our lives. In this book, we find that even in the midst of seemingly impossible situations, God can make a way that will move us from fear to faith. In week one, executive pastor Gus Sareka unpacks the first big rule. Realize that God means for you to be where you are. Good morning, Valley Point Church. Much better than the first service. I think the first service was half asleep this morning. I'm not sure. Or they drink decaf. One of those two. My name is Gus Sareka. I am the executive pastor here at Valley Point Church. And it's my privilege to kick off a new series for us, The Red Sea Rules. This is an amazing story. It's a story taken from the Old Testament. And we find it back in Exodus. It's when God's chosen people, the Israelites, find themselves in captivity under the rule of the Egyptians. And the Red Sea rules, reveals, even in the midst of unseemingly impossible situations, God is with us. God is with us. Over the next 10 weeks, we will learn, rather than a big idea, Each week we will look at a new rule, a rule, a principle of life, guidelines for living. We will look at a big rule rather than a takeaway, rather than a big idea. Uh, Before we get started into the story, why don't you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and worship you. And now, Lord, I just pray that as we open up your word, your scriptures, that we would behold wonderful things from it. Lord, I pray that you would use my life, use my voice, use my words to draw us closer to you. And Father, I praise these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's big rule is this. Realize that God means for you to be where you are. Realize that God means for me and for you to be where you are. Regardless of the season that you find yourself in, realize that God means for you to be where you are. I want to give you some background before we get into this story. This story is one of those famous stories in Scripture. Uh, Reminds me of the old movie with Charlton Heston, you know, divining the Red Sea and walking through there. They actually need to make an updated version of that movie. Don't you agree with me? That would be pretty cool, I think, with the technology that they have today. But this is a a story of the Israelites, God's chosen people, and how they are enslaved by the Egyptians. And they find themselves under this slavery for 400 years. Now, 400 years is a long time. If you think about it in our context Our country is only like 230-some years old. If you think back from today, 400 years, we're talking about 1613. 
And it's important to realize how long of a time they've been in captivity because that's all they knew. In a sense, that was their comfort zone. And so God raises up a leader called Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. We want to be free, a free nation. And Pharaoh, of course, says no. But after 10 plagues and a lot of destruction on the Egyptians, finally Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, yes, you can go. And so the Israelites pack up all their belongings. You know, they get their suitcases. They call allied van lines. They say, we need a couple trucks out here. (laughs) Scripture actually teaches us that at this time, the nation of Israel was 600,000 men strong. If it's 600,000 men, if you add one woman for every man, that's 1.2 million people. If you add two children for every family, that is 2.4 million people that are moving out of that country. That's not easy. That's a lot of people. They say that back in 2008, the World Series victory parade, which I was at, and I believe it, there was 2 million people. Just imagine moving those 2 million people out of a country. It's pretty tough. It's not easy. So we pick up our story in Exodus chapter 13. In Exodus, if you have your Bibles, you can open there. It's the second book of the Bible. We're going to read the last few verses of that chapter and in the first couple of chapter 14. So Pharaoh lets the nation of Israel go to freedom. And of course, later on, he changes his mind. So let's read this together. The Israelites left Sakaf and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And then chapter 14. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back at camp by Pi-ha-herath. That's not bad. (laughs) I believe that Eric gave me this passage because he couldn't pronounce that word. (laughs) We'll call that the city of Pi. You guys good with that? All right, good. Uh, And camp by the city of Pi between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. So God puts and leads the Israelites right into this place where they're between a rock and a hard place. All they see is the Red Sea before them and the desert and the enemy behind them. And God strategically puts them right there. As a matter of fact, he led them to one location, and then he said, look, turn back and go to this other location. God knew what he was doing. God put the Israelites into an overwhelming situation. God meant for them to be where they are. We find ourselves in situations in our life, whether we have in the past or whether we're in a situation right now where we don't know how we got there. 
We don't know how we got there. The truth of the matter is, God meant for us to be where we are, where we are. Where are you today? Feeling trapped? Feeling overwhelmed in certain situations? Maybe you're in a situation where you're with your spouse where things just aren't going real good right now. Maybe you're in a situation with your children where things aren't going real smooth. Or your job. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's spiritual. Where do you find yourself today? Whether it's a difficult situation or whether it's a good season. Maybe you find yourself in a good season of life where you can say, you know what? It's good to be me right now. It's good to be me. Maybe God meant for you to be in that season as well. You know, when we talk about getting into certain situations, how do we react? How did the Israelites react? When Moses found himself facing the Red Sea, He didn't necessarily blame Pharaoh for chasing him there. He knew why he was there. He didn't know what the answer was going to be, but he knew God led him there. He knew that. I think sometimes when we find ourselves in certain situations in our life, we react dependent upon how we got there. So let's think about this for a second. How do we get into these situations? How do we get there? I believe there's only a few options, really. So I'd like to look at a couple of these options. Let's look at number one. Option number one, how do we find ourselves in complicated situations? Number one, it's because of something or someone else. Lots of times, this is the perspective that we have. I find myself in this situation because my spouse is unreasonable. I find myself in this situation because my children don't listen. I find myself in this situation at work because, frankly, my boss is an idiot. I actually felt that way at one time. I found myself in an overwhelming situation in my life. It was the summer of 1994. I actually was on vacation with my family in Ocean City, Maryland. I had worked for a company for 23 years. And while I was down there vacationing with my family, I had my four kids, and they had some of their friends with them, which was always the case. And I got word to call my brother. And um, so I went and I found a phone booth. That's correct. It was a phone booth. (laughs) I am that old. I've used a phone booth in my life. I wasn't turning into the man in steel. So I called my brother, who was actually working for the same company that I was working for. And he told me, Gus, don't bother coming to work on Monday. The company is out of business. We're shut down. It's done. Now, for me, that was pretty overwhelming. I had, my two oldest sons were in college. My, old, my uh, third son was in high school. My daughter was in middle school. That's a tough situation to be in. And I know I'm not the only one to kind of face that situation Many of you have faced that situation with work. And how I reacted to that, I've always felt at the 23 years that I worked for that company, I always felt that the leaders of that company were making bad decisions. 
I always felt as though they could have made different decisions that would have allowed that company to be more successful. I had the perspective back then in 1994 that it was their fault. It was their fault. They were responsible. And all of us have those feelings from time to time, or we had that perspective from time to time. As a matter of fact, my grandchildren almost always have that perspective. (laughs) It's always someone else's fault. And I need to be careful here because there are a few of my grandchildren in a room. A few weeks ago, I was going to the boardwalk, and I was traveling with my daughter-in-law, and Laurie was, was in the car, and four of her kids were in the back, my grandchildren. So we were traveling to the boardwalk, and they were fighting back there. You know, they were touching each other. They were instigating each other. It was a brother and a sister back there, and they were just going at it in the back seat. You know how it is when you're traveling, and you get a little cranky when it's a little bit crowded, and you get a little over-anxious for what you're going to go do, and uh, it's just one of those situations that I think we all find ourselves in if you have kids or have been around kids. <laughs> and so the, the, the kids in the back seat, they started yelling to their mom. They said, Mom, he's touching me. Mom, she's doing this. Mom, she's doing that. And finally, my daughter-in-law, she said, don't tell me. Tell Pop up he's in charge of you today. So I turned to him and I said, if you guys don't stop fighting, I'm going to make you walk up and down the boardwalk holding hands. They're way too cool for that. They stopped. They stopped fighting immediately. But they were blaming each other. And a lot of times that's what we do. When we get in difficult situations, we blame someone else. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. That's one of the options. When we believe and we have that perspective that it's someone else's fault, it leads to feelings, certain feelings that will come up. And those are feelings of resentment, feelings of disappointment, and feelings of anger. And a lot of times, that's where we live our lives. Moses didn't blame Pharaoh. Another reason that we find ourselves in difficult situations is because of me or because of you. We make decisions in our life that lead us into situations that are very, very difficult. Five years ago, we took out a mortgage on a home, and now we're underwater and we're in debt because of the decisions that we've made in the past. For students, a lot of times for you, you make decisions and you choose certain friends, and you hang around with those friends, and you end up in trouble and in difficult situations because of the choice that you made of hanging around with the wrong people. Why do we find ourselves in difficult situations? When we have the perspective it's someone else's fault, or do we have the perspective that it's our fault? It's our fault. When we have that perspective that it's our responsibility, we find that we have feelings, and it leads to feelings of guilt. It leads to feelings of despair and sometimes even hopelessness. We're facing the Red Sea. The enemy is behind us. How are we ever going to get out of this situation? The past may seem implausible, and the future impossible. 
But God works in ways that we do not see. That we do not see. Our perspective must change. It's either because of someone else or it's because of us. What else could it be? What other options are there? There are the only two options. I say there's a third option. I say, and the big rule of the day is this, realize that God means for you to be where you are. In order for us to change our perspective, I know it's not simple. I know you didn't come in here today and it wasn't necessarily my plan that you would leave with a whole new perspective on life. It's not as simple as flipping a switch in our thinking. I looked up the definition of perspective, and this is what it says. Perspective, the state of one's ideas, the facts known to one. So if we want to change the state of my idea, the state of my thinking, the way I perceive life, and the way I perceive the circumstances that are occurring around me and the things that are happening to me, if I need to change that perspective, I need to change some facts. It's the only way we can change it. So I want us to look at three facts. Three facts about God that changes our perspective. Because we must change our perspective. When you change your perspective, your attitude changes. When you change your attitude, your behavior changes. That's what we call living different. That's what we call having a new life with a different perspective. So let's look at these three facts. Facts about God that change our perspective. Number one, he knows me, he thinks about me, and he cares for me. When I was thinking through this, I couldn't help but think of a mother-child relationship. Because a mother-child relationship is one of those intimate relationships. And when you think of that relationship, you think of how much that mother knows that child, how much that mother thinks about that child, and how much that mother cares for that child. And that's what God does for us. He knows us, he thinks about us, and he cares for us. How much does God think about you? How much does God think about me? I think in our daily lives and when we go about our business, we don't necessarily think about how much God thinks about us. I want us to look at Psalm, Psalm chapter 139, starting in verse 16 through 18. And it says this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out. That means good moments and bad moments. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. That's a fact that will change our perspective on life. God thinks about me constantly. And he thinks about you constantly. 
And not only does he think about us constantly, but he knows you and he knows me. He knows what I like and he knows what I dislike. He knows that I don't like Mexican food. How can anyone like Mexican food? He knows you. He knows me. And he thinks about us constantly and he cares for us. That's a fact that will change our perspective. Let's look at the second fact. Number two, he leads me and guides me. In Psalm 139, that same chapter, verses 9 and 10, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. God leads us and he guides us in our lives. Sometimes God leads us and sometimes God allows us to get into certain situations. But he guides us and he leads us. You know, when I lost my job, it was overwhelming. It was tough. It was tough. I know Laurie kind of enjoyed it a little bit because I was home and I cooked. I actually heated. <laughs> and we tried all kind of things. It wasn't always good. But it was tough. And back then, I had that perspective that it was someone else's responsibility. It was someone else's fault. But 19 years later, and as I've gone through these past 19 years, I've realized with all my heart, I believe that God was leading me and guiding me even back then. And he knew my situation, and I believe he led me into that situation. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, as I look back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I have the freedom now to do the things that, that God has always wanted me to do, which I was never able to do back then. God was working in ways that we cannot see. And God is working in ways in your life that you right now, you cannot see. You cannot see. Let's look at the third fact that changes our perspective. He has a purpose for my life. He has a purpose for your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. You see, if you don't experience difficult situations and God doesn't come and comfort you and encourage you and show you what he has for you, you're never able to do that for others. You know, speaking to parents here today, a lot of times when our children, when our teenagers get into difficult situations, the first thing that we believe is we need to rescue them from those situations. And that's not always the way God wants it to be. God means for us to be where we are. God means for us to be where we are. God wants to use you in the situations that you come across. God wants to use you. 
Embrace these facts about God. These three facts that change our thinking, change our perspective on how we get into certain situations. Even if it's a good season, even if it's a good season, God meant you to be there. It was God and not you. I recently visited a friend in prison. And it was one of those evenings when I worked. It was a long day. I was miserable. I was cranky. I really didn't want to go. Uh, Laurie made me go. And so I, I, I get up, and it's like quarter of eight at night, and it's raining, miserable. So I went out to visit this friend in prison. And when you go out to the prison, um, you go to the guardhouse where you have to drive up to the guardhouse. And when I got there, the, the line for the guardhouse was real long. So it took me 30 minutes to get through the guardhouse. And then when you get through the guardhouse, you have to go to the next checkpoint, which that checkpoint, they search you. So there's a line there. You know, the female guard searches the females, and the male guard searches the males. So you have to wait at that checkpoint where you sign in. And then you go to another checkpoint, and they take your key. You know, and they hold their key there because you can't take anything into the visitor's room. And then you go to another checkpoint, and you turn your pass in. And then you go to another checkpoint, and you turn over your license. And then they finally say, okay, you can go through that door. And then you walk down the hallway, and you go to the door, and you realize there's no handle on the door. You're not going through the door. You have to wait for the guard to come and open the door. So the guard comes and opens the door, and you walk into the holding area, and he shuts the door. Now, those doors don't have insulation on them. I think they do this on purpose. Because he gently shut the door, but it made the loudest noise. <laughs> loud, loud door. just makes you feel like you're not going nowhere for a while. So you're in this holding area, and then finally, when everybody gets into the holding area, they open the next door, and then you go into the waiting room. You go into the waiting room, they have tables all lined up, you know, A to, a to H, and then 1 to 9. And so you go to another checkpoint, and they say, okay, you go sit at D5. And so I went and I sat at D5. And you sit at the square table and there's four chairs around there. And they're sitting there. And the first time I was there, I was sitting there and I'm waiting for my friend to come in. And finally the guard starts pointing at me. I'm like, what's going on? You know, they're waving to me and everything. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should get up and go talk to them or what. And finally I realized that I'm sitting on the wrong side of the table. (laughs) Because they want you to have your back to the guards and they want the prisoner to have to be facing the guard so I had to switch sides on the table so it was a long process and I'm kind of cranky a little bit and uh, so I'm sitting there and finally my friend comes in and his I'm his face is glowing he's got a smile on his face and he comes over to the table and I'm sitting there and I'm wondering well can I get up should I shake his hand what do I do and he just grabs me he gives me a big hug and he says hey Gus hey Gus And here he is, separated from his family and friends and loved ones, paying his price to society, and he's encouraging me. You know, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, that's when God can use you the most. That's when God can use you the most. You can comfort someone with the same comfort that God has given to you. God wants you where you are. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you have faced in the past. 
I can almost guarantee you there's a difficult situation coming up in the future, whether it's a small one or whether it's a big one. And when you get into that situation, I pray that you would embrace these truths. I pray that your perspective could change and that you and I could realize that God means for us to be where we are. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come this morning. We thank you for your word, the scripture, which has amazing stories and some amazing truth from it. We just pray, Lord, that you would take your word and apply it to our lives. We pray, Lord, that we would see these facts about you in a new way today. And that we would embrace them. We would embrace them and allow those truths to change our perspective and see life different. Not looking at others and blaming them. Not looking at ourselves and taking credit or blaming ourselves. But rather, Lord, I pray that we would realize that you mean for us to be where we are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 